Hashtag Psychotherapy Unfogged with Mark Fielding. Hello, welcome to Hashtag Psychotherapy Unfogged, um, Series 4, Episode 15. Um, today I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing Rene Magri. Um, Rene is a trained counsellor specialising in pet loss support. Her passion to help and guide grieving pet loss guardians came to her after losing her boxer Buckley to a terminal illness at the young age of 15 and a half. Having always had a keen interest in grief and loss, it was a natural progression for her to take a counselling qualification and direct it to helping the wider community with what can be done uh, with what can be one of the most difficult losses that many people go through in their lifetime. She has, is on a mission to normalise pet loss grief. It's never ever just a dog, cat, rabbit, horse, bird, plus all other species. Pets are family and their love is truly unconditional. Is it any wonder that losing them hurts so much? So really nice to meet you again, Rene. Um, well, perhaps we could kick off, I ask all our guests, um, just to share a little bit around your personal experiences that led you into the field. Sure, absolutely. Um, first and foremost, thank you very much for having me. I was delighted to be invited. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, my, my personal experience. Well, I lost, um, as you mentioned, my my beautiful boxer, Buckley, and um, he was just five and a half when he passed away. So it all um, happened very out of the blue. And like uh, many, many animal lovers, we have a really close connection with them. And of course, I did with him. So, um, yeah, his diagnosis, um, as I said, very much out of the blue. And when he passed away, um, the grief was huge for me. It was um, something that I've never experienced before. And um, I knew I wasn't the only one to feel this strong, strong sense of loss. And um, hence where I, I stepped into um, supporting pet loss guardians with what they're going through as well. And, and just to kind of ask a follow-up around Buckley, so from what I kind of read on, on your LinkedIn profile, Buckley was quite ill, but Buckley was terminally ill, terminally Ill for a while. And, again, and of course, that, I guess, brings a, a different layer, really. I mean, just as much as you're happy to talk about, I mean, what was that period like dealing with the terminal illness with Buckley? Yeah, sure. Well, Buckley became terminally ill very suddenly. So yeah. basically, he was unwell for a couple of days, and then boom, we were we were given a terminal prognosis. And at that time of diagnosis, he was he was only three years and ten months. So I was like, you know, what what was going going on here? Yeah. So I didn't know it at the time. I do now, but I didn't know at the time, but I immediately stepped into what is called anticipatory grief, yeah. which is grieving a loss before it's happened. And I was you know, feeling all the feels and and um, knew, of course, I was upset and concerned and Buckley being terminal, he was given six to 12 months. We actually had 20 months with him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, feeling all those feels and and not knowing exactly what it was. So when he had an okay, so okay day, so did I. Yeah. Uh, and on the flip side, when his days weren't that good, you know, of course, um, emotionally, yeah, I felt it, felt it too. So it was very overwhelming, Mark, yeah. you know, very overwhelming. And then not knowing, you, you're given a, a prognosis. And of course, that's a, a guide and that anticipation of you know when am I going to have to make end of life decisions what am I going to do how am I going to cope with this yeah. how am I going to do life without Buckley by my side yeah. and so I was feeling a, a lot of those things which is very hard to to sit with yeah and I, and I guess the palliative care aspect I guess it's because Buckley I guess doesn't understand I mean, I, I guess with a human, you know, with a human that has a terminal illness and is in yeah. you know, hospice or palliative care, I guess there can be kind of, you know, um, can, can be communication through words. But I get mm. with Buckley, mm. I guess Buckley doesn't really understand what's going on, I guess, which makes it all the more complicated for both of you, really. Yeah, yeah, that was really hard. And there was parts of, you know, a lot of the time were some things I guess I wanted him to know and other things I didn't. Yeah. I I found um, the actual euthanasia, the, the day of his euthanasia, we had a home euthanasia 
I felt, of course, an immense amount of of sadness, but there was a side of me that um, I couldn't tell him what was happening. But another side is that I didn't want him to know um, yeah. at the same time. Animals are very stoic um, yeah. and they do very much live in the moment. Yeah. And um, if I can share with, you know, with your listeners, is that to you know that might be something that could help that they 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 are very much in the present moment, um, and they trust us to make these decisions for them. Uh, and you know we're on reflection back to the euthanasia, which I still six and a half years later think about quite regularly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, there's things like this that that I sit with to help process those end of life decisions because that. It is a very, very difficult thing to do, um, even despite having, you know, our vet team, our vet, vet support team, yeah. um, quality of life, scales. There's a whole lot of things that's, that um, bring us to that decision. Yeah. But no matter what, it's never a right time. It's never the right day. We never no. want to lose them. No. And it's hard. It's really, really hard for for. Um, yeah, for us to make that decision. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, I've had similar experiences with, you know, we've got kind of a dog and a cat myself, and it is incredibly hard. Do, I mean, do you think it's misunderstood? I mean, it, it, working with, you know, lots of clients that, you know, really experience mm. you know, the, the, the unique loss of, you know, of, of an animal, of a friend, do, do you think maybe it's misunderstood often? If someone is in in deep kind of loss over a pet that perhaps people around them might misunderstand, might think perhaps the grief is wrong in some way or yeah, absolutely. Um pet loss grief can be very much disenfranchised. Yeah. And, and essentially um that that means not getting the recognition that it so truly deserves. Um, it can be, you know, it's just a dog, it's just it's just a cat, um, it's a bird, you can get another one. So the acknowledgement yeah. and validation for pet loss guardians uh, is not as, as strong as what I'd like it to be, but in saying that there are many people um, that do acknowledge and validate pet, pet loss yeah. and it is growing. And I think the more conversations we can have, the more education we can put out there um, to not only pet loss guardians with their own grief, but their family, their friends, the community, to let everyone know pet loss grief is real grief. Yeah. Um, it's profound. Yeah. Um, people are going through um, a very, very hard loss. And and I've had said, said to me many, many times over the years, you know, Renee, I've lost, insert human family member, yeah. who I love dearly with all my heart, but I've lost, you know, the loss of animal friend's name has hit me on a level that, yeah. It's past a 10. And, you know, I've, I've experienced that myself. I relate so much. And, and one of the main, main reasons for that is our love bond and connection yeah. is so strong with them. So yeah. my own thoughts only, of course, but strong love, strong grief. And, and yeah. grief surrounds many types of loss in our life, um, not only the loss of, of um, a beloved, but when we're, talking about grief with a loved one um to me it's it's not about the species it's about that whether it's human or animal it's about that love bond and connection so i look at it it makes perfectly sense to me why the grief can be so so strong yeah i mean i, I absolutely agree and and i guess you know arguably you know the relationship with you know, I mean, I, I don't even want to use the word pet, really, because, I mean, these are friends, aren't they? I mean, yeah, the relationship yeah. with, with a kind of yeah. pet friend, you know, is very, very unique. You know, I mean, I, I, it's yeah. it's very, very unique. And, and so I'm wondering around the stages of grief. And, I mean, I guess everyone is going to grieve differently, you know, depending on, you know, lots and lots of factors, yeah. you know, who they are. But, but I mean, in terms of the, the, the stages of grief, I mean, how would you say, do they differ, do you think, in any way from you know, from grief over, I don't know, a, a kind of human family member? Um, yeah, well, the, the stages of grief, um, you know, we we know about 
about them from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and, yeah. and um, don't quote me, but all of them, you know, the anger, anger denial, um, yeah. uh, I can't rattle them. Yeah, we know them. But that's that's yeah. really expanded. So whilst they still very much, um, you know, for a lot of people have a place, um, in terms of pet loss, grief, I would say um, the the I guess the top things that I hear in terms of the the grief space, of course, immense sadness is a huge one. Yeah. Um, loneliness is also very big as well because yeah. that that unconditional love that, that we have with them, sometimes our animals are there more than some humans, and and that's the reality. Yeah. They're there in good times, not so good times. Yeah. Um, they're our support system through our own personal challenges so there's you know there's a loneliness is a big one within pet loss grief too guilt is another mm. huge one the what ifs if only could have should us so that's very very big within there as well um so they would probably be the the I'm going to say main ones, but everybody grieves so uniquely Mark yeah, so yeah. what one person feels can be different. Grief can also ebb and flow. You know, we could feel immense guilt one day, but then on any given day when, you know, we're in a different sort of space with our grief, our grief saying different things, that could that could shift a bit. So, and back and forth. So it's, um, you know, grief, as a, it, you know, it's very unique. There's no time limits to it. There's no rush. It's really... My whole way to grieve is your way and you know there's no rules and there's no instructions yeah. with it and this this it's essentially you like to approach it as um we're carrying our grief with us yeah and it's it's within us now and something that is is said quite a lot within pet loss grief is you know when are you going to get over it Aren't you going to move on by now? Yeah. yeah. Just go and get another one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah. you know, I get quite flinchy when when I hear those things because um, we're never going to be okay with what's happened and, you know, it, it, we're not, we're not going to wake up one day and go, oh, okay, you know, let's move on. To me, we don't move no. on. Yeah. We learn how to live with that heartbreak. We work yeah. on ways on how to integrate the loss into our life. And there's many ways we can explore that. But, yeah, that is one thing I yeah thought I'd mentioned that that's very much said in the animal world, which can be very hurtful for pet loss guardians when they hear, um, you know, just go get another one. Yeah, and it really diminishes the relationship, doesn't it? I mean, I get the, yeah, and that is really, really common, isn't it? I guess people, I don't know, people can, people that don't understand. I think, you know, I mean, I would say probably only people that have been through it perhaps understand, really. I think it's maybe difficult for people that, you know, have not kind of been friends with, with, with you know, with pets to understand the absolute yeah. bond, you know, that can grow, you know, between, mm. between both. I mean, in terms of the guilt, Renee, I mean, what, what kind of things do people tend to be guilty for? I mean, I, I guess it's all very individual, but what kind of things? How does the guilt come up? Yeah, yeah, that's variable too, depending on because everybody's mm. grief journey is is different. Yeah. But normally the narrative will start with something like the what if, what if I, for example, uh, what if I did that extra test? Maybe they could have found something else. Mm. Um, what maybe I should have picked up on the sign sooner. Did I miss something? Yeah. Um, you know, I could have maybe I could have taken them to the vet sooner. I should have. That's normally the narrative of I, what if, if only I could have, I should have. And most of the time with, I I call um, uh, within our grief, uh, we have different layers. I like to refer to the different emotion as layers. And, yeah. and within this particular layer, it's a strong one. I would say um, I really want to normalise these feelings. I, I want to normalise pet loss, grief, and acknowledge it as a collective. But I really want to normalise these sorts of feelings too because sometimes we can feel bad for feeling things and we can think rationally and they're not um but 
yeah, those, I would say with particular guilt, 99% of pet loss guardians feel it on different levels. Um, it can be a very difficult layer to navigate because it's so it's it's so strong. Um, but I really like to listen and witness what it's saying, acknowledge what yeah. the guild is saying, and listen to what it's saying. And when we start to do that, we can start to unpack it more. But I could talk about this layer for a very long time. But yeah. I guess essentially, a couple of um, a couple of things that that might be helpful is. Um, we, we normally are believers in cause and effect. So when something goes wrong, we want to know why. And what, what normally happens is our mind takes us on a search with a lot of questions in there. And yeah. this is where that narrative of what if I, if only. So yeah. we're on this repetitive search. Um, the interesting thing is we don't a lot of the time normally find the answers that we're looking for. Uh, however, we normally keep searching in the hope that we do. So most of the time it's the grief talking mm -hmm. and we've got to try to, um, you know, work a bit closer with this layer to, to try to open up avenues to get the grief to see that. But two sort of main parts just to add is that I really like to work on no intent to cause any harm at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to me, that's a really pinnacle way to start to explore this layer more. So we never, ever, ever intend to go out to, to harm the ones we love. So we do the best in the situation that we're in with the information that we had at the time. Mm. And there's going to be, you know, lots of variables there. So that's it's really important, I think, to let the grief know that. Yeah. Yeah, just let it know, let it know no intent. So that's one part. The other part is the hindsight bias, which mm -hmm. um, hindsight's a very biased thing yeah, and it absolutely. has a lot of that counterfact that counterfactual thinking in there, yeah. that what if I if only. So a lot of the time like, what often happens is information that we have in the after, if we put that inf into information into the before, um you know, that that changes things. You know, if we knew things in the yeah. after that we didn't know in the before, we might have done something different. Yeah. But but that doesn't give you that 100% guarantee that the outcome would have been any different. No. So there's a lot there's a lot to discuss, um, particularly with guilt. But, you know, there can be a lot of ambiguity. Um, the, the other thing I do like to, to try to work on with this is, is it true guilt or is it more regret? Mm, yeah. I mean, how would you distinguish the difference? It, well, um, they're both hard emotions to feel. So I would say with guilt, um, it, interestingly enough, somebody that is truly guilty doesn't normally feel that guilty because they intend to go and harm somebody or something. Yeah. Um, with guilt... If you had like, an, um, I guess, like a, a courtroom set up where you had a judge and a jury and you're on the stand and you're, you know, the jury and there's evidence, to create an evidence, to, show, to, to create a pool of evidence to show that you're truly guilty within this space, it's hard to get a lot because there's never any intent there. So, you know, yeah. guilt, true guilt, there's that intention. So regret, um still has emotions of, of sadness yeah, and sure. disappointment and feeling helpless possibly. There's there's a lot of despair. There's a lot of that that sits in that space. But with regret, um, there's not normally any intent there. And it, it really... Um, yeah, I find when we explore this more and we work towards uh, making what I call some peace with this guilt layer, yeah. you might always feel guilt on some level and yeah. we have permission to feel it. I'm certainly not sitting here saying don't feel it. 
if anything, I'm the opposite, you know, let's welcome it in and give it a voice. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. yeah you know, I, I really think that's probably a, a, a pretty, I'm hoping a pretty good um, snapshot for your, for your uh, listeners to, to hopefully take away and, and process that a bit more because that's often a really good starting point to work with this layer and to work towards making some some peace with it. But we can go a few rounds with it, that's for sure. But I mean, I don't <laughs> A few really, rounds with it. Yeah, I mean, so much in what you say. I mean, just to pick up on a couple of things. Yeah, I mean, the hindsight, I think that is so true, isn't it? You know, I think it's so... It's yeah. so easy. I think we probably don't even do it consciously to, you know, to put the knowledge that we have now, put us back in the position we were, you know, before the before the death and then feel regret. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, that I think is really common. And I really love the idea around giving the guilt a voice. Goodness me, that must be so powerful mm. in the room sometimes with clients. And, and, and oh, the, absolutely. Are there, are there other strategies you might use? Um, I mean, it, it's obviously completely client-led, but well, what other strategies might you yeah. use with, with, with people in the counselling room? Yeah, um, look, there's there's lots of different things. I, it's really important to me that I listen very closely to to what um, somebody's experiencing because no yeah. no um, grief journey is the same. It is not a one size fits all. No. And if if there was Mark, if there was a list of instructions that I could give to everybody, I would a hundred percent. Um, we can't do that. And the, um, the, the thing that we can do is, as you said, we can, you know, we, we can really guide it and, and support it and work on ways on, on how to carry it. I think it's really, um, and again, my own thoughts, we can't fix this. Um, we can't fix grief. I don't feel that we can um, because I, my own thoughts for me to fix my grief with Buckley, I'd have to have him back by my side. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's not sure. going to happen. Um, but I do want to, you know, um, share hope to to your listeners that there are definitely ways, which I'll share a couple um, very soon, on how we can carry it and yeah. learn how to have it there. Because not only emotionally, but we can actually feel grief physically as well. And that's something to be um, aware of. Of. And um, I know for myself, uh, particularly with my emotional space, it's at the top of my stomach. I can I feel emotion, some people in the backs of the necks, you know, so that's just good um, to be aware of um, as well. Yeah. But I, I would have to um, say I've got a couple of things here um, because I've uh, there's, there's so many, but I would say primarily acknowledging your loss, acknowledging your grief, um, and as you mentioned before, giving it that voice, yeah. um, that's going to be, it, I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not saying it's easy to talk about because it's, it's profound. So it's going, it's going to hurt, but that's really beneficial. Grief likes movement and grief likes to be witnessed. And, um, so acknowledging, um, the loss, couple of other ideas and suggestions is, um, with keeping that grief moving is releasing that grief into a space that you feel that your loss is acknowledged and validated. Uh, and when we start to do that and, and unpack it more, we start to really get to the inner core of what these layers are saying. So would you like, I've got a couple of suggestions for that. Did you oh, want me to yeah, maybe please, share a couple of ideas? Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. Um, wonderful. Um, now, just a couple of different things because some things resonate more with some people than others. And, yeah. and that's what I very much like to do is, is um, you know, try to bring in um, different things that people can try and essentially forming some practices around your grief and hugging it very tight. So um, I really like writing out my thoughts and that's something that, you know, can really be brought into pet loss grief. So whether that's um, in a grief journal and it doesn't have to be all super structured, it can be, but even just a few words, couple that with some allocated grief time, you know, maybe get up 20 minutes earlier with a coffee, just write a, a, a few thoughts down. If writing's not for you, um, another idea is just to record a few words into your phone. Yeah. Um, just talking about it, you know, listen, play it back, listen to what your grief's saying. So that it that that expression, taking your grief out on a walk, I love nature. 
Um, doesn't cost anything. If you can take your emotions out and grief on a walk, that's a really, um, I walk about four or five times a week. And when I don't, I really notice the difference. Yeah. So it's a, the open air. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, really yeah. have totally it, have it. Yeah have a good space so if, yeah. you, if you um do that so that's another good idea um creating rituals can yeah, be really was, beneficial yeah. without loss grief i was going to ask you about that yeah i mean yeah say a bit more about about the use of ritual yeah rituals are wonderful and i've got so many of them that i still use to this day and will um mm. for the rest of my life i think just to explain like the difference between a routine and a ritual yeah. um a routine is more um like say on your daily taking one step in front of the other to the next part of your day mm. you know you get up you make your coffee then you know whatnot and get into your day um a ritual more is a space where it has an intention behind it of some sort um and that intention uh when we're talking about pet loss grief um the ritual uh and i look at the intention behind that um is to acknowledge your grief and all of the things that I just mentioned. But the other space I really like to embrace so much within pet loss grief is continuing the relationship. Um, yeah. I really, really love to embrace that. Love doesn't die. That relationship continues. And rituals are such a support within that space. Um so much change happens within loss, so much change. Um, and that's a whole another topic, but but what doesn't change is your love bond and connection. No, no one or nothing can take that away from you ever. So let's just pick it up and carry it with us. So rituals are fantastic for that. Um, a couple of really easy things I, I, um, I'll share just things that I do. Yeah. I love aromatherapy, so I'll always um, have an oil burner going. Um, I love lavender oil. That's something I use on the daily. Another good thing, um, and this is great for um, continuing relationships, um, send your beloved some love to just light a little, like even just a little tea light candle yeah. and just take two minutes, just two minutes to really stop, breathe, ground yourself to where you are, use your breath and just send them love, whether that's internally, externally or both, really channel into that. Um, another ritual that is, or it could be um, used as a ritual, is writing to your forever friend, you know, write them a letter, yeah. um, record some words to them similar to the journaling idea. Writing writing the letters, I've had some beautiful um, feedback with that. So that's me, another that idea. Be, yeah, I mean, I mean, just I mean, just in terms of the writing, wow, I mean, that must evoke so much from people. I mean, writing a letter, mm. you know, to to the to you know their friend that's passed, you know, writing a journal. I mean, for some people, goodness me, that yeah. must be so powerful. I would imagine. Will, will they? It's will powerful, some of the clients, yeah. yeah. Will some of the clients maybe share? I mean, I, I guess they don't have to, but will they maybe share with you sometimes things that they've, if they write a letter, for instance, would sometimes clients maybe read yeah. it to you? Yeah. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes they do. Um, they often share what sometimes with writing the letter it's not something that everyone's able to do right away sometimes mm. it it's the idea I like to share and I plant that idea and let it sit um, within them and sometimes it could take a little while if somebody's wanting to try that but when they do they are so glad that they have and of course it's emotion they're tears of love as I call them yeah, you know strong yeah. love strong grief tears of love and I I um, always say all emotions are allowed and I I always take a box of tissues with me. If I need them, I need them. If I don't, I don't. But um, the thing with the letter, it can be taken to, like we can write the letter itself. We can then take the letter and then we might want to go to their resting place, whether they're um, cremated or buried. We might yeah. want to read it out to them. We might just want to place the letter where they rest, just yeah. leave it with them. Um, so there's many variables uh, and these are the sorts of practices and rituals, especially um, for the long term, 
but especially immediately after the loss because your world's been turned upside down and yeah. there's there it can actually bring in some solace and calm in amongst everything that's going on. It's something that you've got control over, you've got to say. Um, so the rituals are, I feel, <laughs> something that are just so, so beneficial. Um, yeah, together with the, the grief, you know, many grief practices, I gave a few ideas before, but I always say, Mark, and it's trial and error, um, yeah. but I really encourage people to give things a go and when they find something that they connect with, keep doing it, you know, keep keep doing it um, yeah. at your pace. I, and I would never, ever rush off. I never would say to anyone, you have to do this. And No, um, yeah. it's your grief and yeah. everyone has the right to grieve their way. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I guess, you know, I, I guess this is a snapshot of all of the things, I guess, in, you know, in your toolbox as a counsellor. And as you say, grief is so individual. And I guess for each client, you know, different things are going to be going to be useful. I mean, I, I, I'm just repeating what I said earlier. I mean, goodness me, when you're in a room with, you know, with somebody that has experienced, you know, pet loss, I mean, goodness me, I mean, it must be so powerful. And I, I mean, how do you keep yourself kind of, well, I don't know, how do you keep, I mean, how do you retain, you know, your own mental health, I guess, really? Because, I mean, you're sitting with mm. people and death is in the room. I mean, this is what you do. I mean, how do you, I mean, how do you keep yourself well, really? Because, I mean, the impact on you in the yeah. room must be enormous sometimes. Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and thank you for asking that question. Look, I am not going to lie. It can, it can be hard and yeah. the sessions themselves obviously um, are full with a lot of emotion. Yeah. And um, I really, really channel into creating a safe space for um, my, my, you know, my client, Headless Guardian, that's going through this. Just let them know um, they are safe and try to make them feel very comfortable that, as I mentioned before, all emotions are allowed. Yeah. Yes, I will honestly say to you, you know, some of the things that are shared with me um, are very, really upsetting. And I I feel so much for what they're going through. Absolutely. I see yeah. um, people in absolute despair Um I'm pleased that I can provide this space for them yeah. because sometimes, depending, they look, a lot of people are very supportive, but the reality is sometimes people aren't. And I'm oh. I am privileged and I'm actually grateful that I can give them this space to be, they can be 100% authentically yeah. themselves yeah. Um, and be listened to, be heard. And give their feelings a voice. So, yeah. Um, yeah, for my own, for my myself, my own mental health, I I like to um, just be very aware of when I need some time out, when I need, um, you know, to take care of me. So I'm very very aware of that. And I find for myself going on those walks, taking my my headspace outside, and just something about the outdoors. Um, yeah. So I I, I am quite quite aware of that um but yeah it's um I, I feel feel so much uh for people and um yeah. yeah I just want to have more conversations about pet loss grief to let people know that it's real yeah. grief it's yeah. real <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, real I mean absolutely <clears throat> and I have to say you know just kind of personally I, I really really have a lot of admiration for counsellors that work you know the predominantly in grief because you know it's it's a it's such an important space I think for people that are grieving, you know, and I think the ability to contain and to be with someone, you know, when they are grieving, I think, I think it's 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 a really unique quality, and and I think that you know the space that you provide to people, especially you know not uh, because I guess it is a very very unique and misunderstood form of grief. So I guess if somebody is in a family system, perhaps where other people are, you know, are maybe a bit more dismissive, I guess the relationship with you and your ability to really really allow them to open up around their pain, I mean, it must be absolutely invaluable. I mean, I wanted to pick up on some of the other things you do. You run a kind of pet loss support group and a Facebook page. Could you maybe say a little bit yep. about that, Renee? 
yeah yeah absolutely um thank you so much for all that you said too i really appreciate um you sharing that and acknowledging that um yes i'd love to talk more about that um i think community is such a good thing a like-minded community can be so helpful for for lots of different things but um for for pet loss being with a like-minded community can just be so beneficial so um about four months after Buckley died, I um, decided to create a, a online pet loss support group through Facebook, Fabulous. and yeah. that's um, that's grown, you know, over the years. And the community that we have there is is just so beautiful. It's 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 a different, um, of course, it's a different platform to a private session, but it still absolutely creates that safe, calm, non-judgmental space. Where where pet loss guardians can be. So I had two two I guess visions when I created the group. One one was a side where um, pet loss guardians can come to share their story if they wanted to. They could you know post and and have that like minded community. And yeah. when people really get it, um, and I say that in inverted commas. So that was one part. The other side, I really wanted to bring in um, as much as I could, because um, there's only one of me, but I do as much as I can. Um, but to bring in some learning, you know, to bring in some education about um, pet loss grief, to talk about things like guilt, to give yeah. some, you know, tips and that those sorts of things um, as takeaways that could be helpful um, in a group setting. So that was the other other vision, which um, still very much is um, going, you know, and very much um, happening to this day. So yeah, it's grown. Um, it's a sad, it's a sad reason that normally people come to the to the group, but it's also a good thing to know that, that um, there is support there. And I, I, you know, no, I don't want anyone to feel alone with such a, you know, at all, um, but, you know, very much with a profound loss because, um, you know, the, the feelings of grief can be extremely overwhelming. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's just, um, so, the, yeah, there's that. And, of course, my um, my social media pages, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn that yeah. I'm, you know, very much active in and almost daily. <laughs> um, I've right. got quite a few platforms that they're, they're all managed by myself. So I bring as much support right. um into their resort. I also do a few live posts in my groups as well when I can. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I um I, I definitely put as much as I can into all of them. Phil and for our listeners, we'll we will we will put all of your kind of social media links, you know, on our on our social media platforms and along with along with the podcast. And just to pick up on what you were saying about community, I mean goodness me, that must be so important to people. I mean, you know, sit, sitting and sharing experience in group, you know, and you know, having a kind of supportive community that that understands and validates, well, that must be so important for for people. I mean, it's a it's a fantastic service that you offer. I mean, I always feel that pet loss is something that is really, really underrepresented in in, in counselling. Um, and if people want to get hold of you, you know, if people want to get hold of you for one to one counselling, how do they do it? How do they get hold of you? Yeah, sure. Um, through my website is probably the easiest way. Yeah. There's a there's a contact uh, uh, you know tab on my website. So if you um, yeah go through there, that's the easiest way. Of course, through my Facebook page and, and Instagram and LinkedIn, there's messaging there as well. But um, probably through my my website would be the the easiest way. Fantastic. And I always ask our guests at the end of the show their favorite kind of go to coping strategies to sustain good mental health. Well, what are yours? What do you do to sustain your, you know, good mental health? Yeah, that's a good question as well. Um, absolutely what I said before, the walking, um, the movement. I just find movement because yeah. walking, again, is not for everybody. So just moving your body, my body, and anything that's, that's jumping up and up and down for a couple of minutes, I do that. Yeah. Um, I make sure um, in, in terms of sort of self-care, I make sure that I'm aware when I'm needing that break, like, you yeah. know, I'll stop, recharge, um, you know, whether it's just going and getting coffee from a local cafe, reading a few pages of my book. Yeah. So, um, and just being in tune with with my thoughts, like I'm I'm aware, you know, if what anxiety levels are getting high, yeah. um, the sorts of things I can do to, to help me so it's um i guess a lot of the things that 
many people use, focusing on my breath. Um, always, always, I want to say, Mark, one of my biggest things these days, which I've really channeled into, is just really acknowledging my thought no matter what it is. Yeah. Um, and if it's anxiety, I will re- I will literally stop and say, you know, stop, this is anxiety I'm feeling right now and, and what does it want to say? So that's probably one of my biggest things, I must say, in amongst yeah. <laughs> everything. And I find when I really do that, um, that can really help to process things. So I guess there's a lot of variables there, but I'm everything yeah. from going to a walk to to um, meditations are great. I love them. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of that stuff I, I really like to do. And grief really likes all of that too. And mm-hmm. the thing with grief is that um, it's, it's often very responsive to guidance and direction. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, learning on on those ways because I I'll quickly just add this bit in that grief might feel because it's so strong that it really wants to hurt you and harm you because yeah. it feels not nice and it's uncomfortable whereas I actually like to really reframe that and look at it um in the senses I don't think its intention is that it wants to harm us um I just think it needs that goal guidance and direction because I go back to what I said earlier on strong love strong grief yeah so that grief that's hurting you is that love that is so strong yeah um yeah so so that that's something that maybe I'm hoping that that will resonate and and yeah that's what I reframing and that's another big thing I like to look at something and if we can maybe look at it from another the outside looking in or yeah. You know, what would you say to your to a good friend of yours that was feeling that that way? You know, often we can come up with some really good reframes there. So so that's still a little something there too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and, and I guess the, the being in nature, you know, the going for walks, I mean, that's something I talk a lot about on the show. You know, I mean, I for, for a lot of people, mm. I think that is fantastic. You know, if you can be in nature, you're in nature, you're walking, you know, you can be mindful. And it's so therapeutic, isn't it? I mean, I could I could literally talk to you for another 45 minutes, Renee. And as always, I've not covered all of the questions I wrote down, but this is going to be a really, really interesting listen, you know, for all of our listeners. And I'm so glad we've been able to have you on. I mean, just before we finish, is there anything you would like to say that I've not given you the opportunity to? Oh my goodness. I'm like you just said, I could I could talk about things um for for a long time. Maybe it's a big area, isn't we, it? Well, we could do an episode, uh, we could do an episode two down the track sometime. But yeah. um oh look, they say that just what you were saying then about being outside and things like that. I'm just gonna add on the senses, you know, what you see, smell, yeah. touch and hear, um, can be really, you know, very, very helpful to um within grief look there's there's so much that I could say but but I just want um I think I might finish on I just want pet loss guardians to know that they are are not alone and there is support out there and please 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 don't think anything that you are thinking is crazy silly or stupid because I hear that a lot within the session space. It'll start off, you know, um, Renee, you might think I'm crazy or silly, but, and the first thing I always say is no, 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 no. (laughs) So I just really want to emphasize nothing is silly or crazy or or stupid. You've experienced a profound loss and you're not alone and support in many forms, whether that's with me um, or other, other support out there, please know that that you are not alone and reach out someone will listen and be there for you so i really want to emphasize that to all the listeners thank you you know that's a really really nice message and you know i absolutely concur i mean relationships with you know with with our kind of friends from the animal world i mean they are unconditional love they're i mean they're very very unique relationships aren't they so yeah, it's really important work that you do. But I will finish there. Thank you so much for coming on. And it's been really nice to see you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Take care. Once again, I'd like to really thank Renee for coming on the show. Um, it's uh, the p- pet loss grief is an area that I think is really underrepresented in counselling. Um, things that we could have talked about and things that I wrote down, obviously we ran out of time and it is, you know, loss and pet loss is such a, 
big subject. Uh, I could have asked Renee around, you know, children and working with kind of children and their grief um, over pet loss. Um, and also a little more really about the trauma aspect, um, because I think there can be a trauma aspect. Um, I mean, having a pet that has to have palliative care, I mean, that in itself, I think, is incredibly difficult. Um, the pet doesn't understand what's going on um, and watching, you know, someone that you love becoming weaker and weaker and knowing that, you know, there's an anticipation of death coming, you know, as Renee put it, um, anticipatory grief. I think it, that in itself, I think, is incredibly difficult. Um, I think being with, you know, a, a loved animal at the end, you know, when, you know, perhaps they're you know, being euthanized, I think can be very, very traumatic. Um, I think some of those images of um, of a pet passing away, you know, are tremendously powerful uh, and I think stay in the mind probably forever. Um, I mean, as I said during the episode, you know, I, I do really admire, I think, counsellors that work predominantly with grief and loss. Um, such powerful primal feelings um, in the room and, and I guess creating the space and being able to contain the grief and you know the, the, the extreme feelings of of loss of a relationship that you know was unconditionally loving you know a relationship I mean I would argue like no other um, I mean I've just I've just take one potential you know pet a relationship with a dog uh, it's possibly the most unconditional loving relationship I think anyone will ever have you know and obviously when that relationship ends you know the grief really kind of matches that um I mean really must experience such strong powerful feelings when she's in the room um it really really is a unique kind of grief I think uh, and often, I think, as when I said in the show, often one that is really, really misunderstood. Um, I think others, you know, other, other people, maybe people that have not experienced pet loss themselves, I think it's very easy for them to diminish it. I mean, what Rennie was saying around, you know, the kind of narratives, oh, we'll just get another one, you know, really, really, I think, diminishes, you know, the bond that people have. Um, and also, Rene mentioned loneliness. Um, I mean, sometimes older people uh, who, are, who are widowed, uh, widower, you know, who are on their own, you know, will have will have a dog, you know, will have a cat, you know, and that is great company. You know, it's a, a loving relationship. Uh, and obviously the feelings of loss when, you know, that, that, that loved animal, that loved friend dies are absolutely immense and can lead to extreme feelings of loneliness. Um people walking around the house and just feeling you know a, a real empty space you know where their where their kind of pet friend used to be um and very very uncomplicated relationships uh, i mean obviously unconditional love is possible between humans of course but you know but i guess with you know with with, with a pet you know there is no there is no real conflict really you know there's there's no disagreement no conflict to manage um it is, you know, it is in that respect, I think, you know, a really, really unique kind of bond, really. Um, Rene talking about groups, uh, I, I would imagine, you know, the groups and please look on our on our website, on our social media platforms for uh, all of Rene's social media links. Um, I think the groups, the Facebook group, I think must be so helpful for people, I think, because it, I think pet loss can be so misunderstood. I think being able to sit within a group to access a group, you know, of, of people who really understand and will really validate and empathize with the feelings, I think is really, really invaluable. Uh, it must be so very helpful, I think, for, you know, for people that have experienced, you know, pet loss. Um, such a broad subject. Um, I mean, other things I could have asked, uh, I could have asked about, you know, different people. Some people I think have, a lot of loss in their lives you know and, and often you know losses tend to join up so 
you know, a pet loss, can, you know, traumatic enough, you know, can sit on the top of, you know, other losses, losses of partners, losses of all sorts of losses, family members, you know, which makes the grief, I think, even more complex, really. Um, I mean, some of the strategies I think Renee uses, I thought were were really fantastic. I mean, the writing a letter, the the journaling, the, and also something that I guess Renee didn't say explicitly, but I really kind of got from um, from the interview and the way she talked is kind of externalizing and maybe also almost personifying some of the feelings that come up, like grief. What's the grief saying? You know, where is the grief? What's the grief? I mean, going for a walk with the grief. I think that can also be tremendously helpful, just putting some space around some of these terribly strong emotions. I mean, guilt would be another one. I mean, I think guilt is incredibly common in all kinds of loss, really. You know, and guilt, guilt I think, without space to try and process it and reality test it, I think can be traumatizing. And, and it really does fit into a loss model. I mean, people often feel kind of grief um and guilt around loss you know and that also associates to something else that they were saying around it's very easy when you're sitting in a, in a position afterwards with hindsight that you can almost project yourself back with that hindsight and feel that you've not done things correctly you know things that you would have done with the knowledge that you have in the present and i think that is so true in all kinds of loss really and, and, and other domains as well um so perhaps at some stage we'll have renee back on the show um, I hope our listeners really enjoyed that one. I, I thought it was a really, really interesting and rich interview. And um, we have a few more um, episodes coming up soon. Tomorrow, um, Joe will be back as host. Uh, I may be joining him. I may not. I'm not entirely sure at this point. Interviewing uh, Jack Binstead, uh, actor and comedian. Um, and on Friday, I will be interviewing... Um, uh, doing an interview around um, binge eating disorder with Rochelle Craig. Um, she's a counsellor that works in that area and extremely experienced and knowledgeable. That should be a really, really good one. I've actually done some of Rochelle's training in the area. Um, so really looking forward to, to both. Um, so as always, you know, look after yourselves, look after each other and uh, look after the planet. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks again for listening to the show. If you have been affected by any of the topics on this show or any other of our shows, um, if you're in the UK, then please reach out. Um, Samaritans can be contacted on 116-123. And the GP is also a good source of um, contact and can be the gateway for you know, counselling services and other mental health support. Um, reach out to your mental health support team, um, mental health first aider, um, or trusted friend, colleague, or family member. We have a lot of international listeners. Um, so if you're listening from a non-UK country, um, then please reach out to you know your country's healthcare and mental health care providers. Um, and remember, it's okay not to be okay. <laughs>